Listening to CITR FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And it's time right now for the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. And who do we have in the studio right now? Who are you? I'm Kevin Howes, also known as Cipriano, and I'm representing Voluntary in Nature. Back for week number two. What did we do during week number one, Kevin Cipriano? Oh. Week number one, it was a thrill. Thanks again for that. We, we launched the world premiere of Voluntary in Nature on the Nardwar, the Human Serviette radio show with Wayne McGee's What Am I To Do? That's going to carry the catalog number of VIN001. And we also shared some great music by Brian Anthony and Delroy Wilson. Um, today, we're going to move on to another couple of voluntary and nature world premieres. So it's really exciting to be back. And we did actually hear, here we go again to begin part two of Narva versus Cipriano, Wayne McGee. What can you say about the track that we just heard? Wayne McGee, here we go again, part two. Yeah, I thought that would be a fitting track. It's a great song by Wayne McGee from the early 70s. It never came out on an album. It was something that we found in a box of master tapes that Wayne had when we first met him. And it was just a groovy, groovy, groovy song. It sort of reminds me of a little bit of a Rolling Stones vibe, but I love those phased drums. And uh, it was featured on Jamaica to Toronto in 2006, released by Light in the Attic Records. A record that you helped put together. 
Oh yeah, that was a that was my first compilation that I produced for Light in the Attic, and it was it's still one of uh, my proudest moments to be involved with uh, a lot of my musical heroes, people like Wayne McGee, the Cougars, Eddie Spencer, the Mighty Pope, the Hitchhikers, and on and on. You know, it's still it's we all came together and we made a classic there. Cipriano, the music we're hearing today and we heard last week, it's pretty much all Canadian, isn't it? For the most part, yeah, except for the Delroy Wilson that was straight out of Jamaica. But it's Canadian music is something I, I've spent a lot of time researching. And thanks to my mentor, Ty Scammell, he, he sort of got me on that path of looking for obscure Canadian music. So when I've been traveling around the world and across Canada, I'm always looking to pick up old bits of vinyl. These are the things I collect. And it's just music that moves my soul. So it can take any form, soul, funk, reggae, rock and roll. You know, good music is good music, but we, we love the Canadian music when we can. And we love to share it. And Canadian music is, is not just Canadian music. Canadian music is the music of all the people that have lived in this, in this country and the indigenous people who were be here before Canada was even built and constructed. And, and all the immigrants, the people like the Caribbean people and the people from Africa and from around the European people that have come around from around the world and made incredible records in the country called Canada. So we like to share that history whenever we can. Cipriano, Kevin House, going back to the 1990s, the captain. Do you remember the captain? <laughs> I know Wizardry AV, shout out to Kelly. He, he, he was a big fan of the captain. He would have these late night commercials on television. Uh, it's an old fellow that ran a sort of junk shop, I guess, or an antique shop or an electronic goods shop. I don't know. He sold a bit of everything. He was out down there, there at, on Alma Street, I believe, the captain. And he had this little funny voice and he'd, he'd talk about, you know, come on down to the captain and, you know, come and buy some of our incredible deals or whatever. You could go buy a, a used drum machine there or something for $300 or I don't know, whatever he had. I don't, I don't think I did go once actually, but I don't have his like, like, like Portland Owls who we mentioned before. I think I went once and uh, just saw a glimpse of the myth, the man, the legend. And then that was about it. I don't even think I bought anything, but I love the commercials. Aye, aye, and goodbye. Have you ever, Cipriano, been to Jamaica? You love Jamaican music, but have you ever been to Jamaica? Yeah, that's a really good question. And, and to be honest, I'm really ashamed to say that I have yet to step foot on, on, on the island of Jamaica. It's something that I've wanted to do. And I've had, I guess, the best opportunity for me I never wanted, to, like I should say, I never wanted to go as a tourist, right? I didn't want to go there, and and uh, I was very conscious of my me being a white person uh, coming from outside, and and I was interested in the music and the culture and a lot of those those hubs. They they were in you know impoverished areas in Jamaica, and I didn't really feel like it would be respectful or responsible for me to go there as, as a white person. Uh, over the years, I've become friends with many people from Jamaica and, and I've always, I thought that would be a good reason to go to connect with someone I knew there or, or to go with someone from there. 
Um, so I think that's something that hopefully when travel opens up again, that I'll be able to do that. I thought it was very important for me to go to Jamaica um, while working on this Wayne McGee, Wayne 76 album that will be coming out in the next couple of weeks on voluntary in nature. Uh, I, I felt that I have to go and pay my respects to Wayne and his community of Montego Bay and, and to learn more about the people and the culture there. So that's something I hope to do. Wayne is passed away. I mentioned before he passed on in 2018, but he has, there's relations there. Um, big shout outs to Warner and I'd love to go, come down and, and visit Jamaica. So I hope to do that as soon as people are able to travel again. But I, I wanna be respectful because, you know, they don't, they don't, it's, it's, it's a problematic, you know, for a white person going down to and trying to go and go to like the inner city of Jamaica and people are just trying to get by and do their thing. So I don't want to be a nuisance, you know? Coming up, we have some Willie Thrasher. What can you say about Willie Thrasher? Well, yeah, Willie Thrasher, he currently lives in the town of Nanaimo with his partner, Linda Saddleback, who he performs with to this day. And he, Willie Thrasher was born in a Klavik in the Northwest Territories. He came from a very large family, but in the mid-1960s, he started doing music. Music was a way for Willie Thrasher to connect with his Inuvialuit heritage, as, as Willie, unfortunately, at, at five years of age, was sent to the residential schools. And we know about that horrific reality for many Indigenous people across Turtle Island. Um, so Willie became a road warrior across the 60s, 70s and 80s and started traveling across Turtle Island and sharing music and writing songs that connected with his native heritage. And it, it came to pass that he recorded a full length album in 1981 for the CBC, the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation called Spirit Child. And, and this album that I'm helping to release on Voluntary in Nature, you know, working with Willie on this, is called Indian Inuit Country. And this was the follow-up to Spirit Child. So fans of Spirit Child, you know, those some of those recordings were heard on Native North America. And this will be a new music for you to hear from Willie Thrasher from the early 80s period, around 1984. It was an album that he recorded for the, the Sunshine Records label out of the north end of Winnipeg. It's an incredible label that released indigenous and Ukrainian music, polka, everything from polkas to powwow. And that's, Did it ever come out? Did the record ever come out? The record came out as a very small run cassette. So if you, if you, Google, if you Google Willie Thrasher, Indian Inuit country, there's pretty well no information about this. It hasn't made its way into the collector's world. Um, but working with the, the, the Sunshine Records and Willie Thrasher, um, we're going to be sharing this album on Voluntary in Nature um, once again over the next week or so. So you can look out for that. If you want to learn about any of these releases that we're talking about on Voluntary in Nature, you can go to my Instagram page or the Voluntary in Nature Instagram page, and it's Voluntary in Nature, I-N, in Nature. Nowadays, Willie does a lot of one-man band with Linda Saddleback, doesn't he? A lot of one-man yeah, yeah. band. Yeah, it's been awesome because uh, when, I, when I first met Willie, going back, geez, it's almost coming up to 10 years or so now, I'd say that Willie was doing a lot of busking on the streets of the waterfront in Nanaimo. And then through the release of Native North America and then the reissue of the Spirit Child album, 
some offers for gigs started to come in and I, I tried to also help find some gigs for Willie and Linda's also now on the case as well. If anyone has a gig that they'd like Willie and Linda perform at, definitely reach out to me through Voluntary in Nature or you can find Linda Saddleback on Facebook. They're always looking to perform, but they actually, have, have, we performed and went down to Texas and Willie and Linda performed, I DJed at the Levitation Festival with the 13th Floor Elevators reunion a few years back. Rest in peace, Roki. And they got to perform at the Barbican in London. They performed all over the Northwest Territories and the Yukon in Toronto, in the in province of Quebec and Montreal in the Maritimes. So Willie and Linda have been very active in the last few years, but always looking to perform they just performed as part of the uh, Two Rivers Indigenous Festival recently online, which was great. So yeah, no, they've been they've been taking it all around the world and, and, and are looking to play. So hopefully, you know, the world settles down to the point where we can get some more live shows in and that you can you can go and request and hear Linda Saddleback in your community. Cipriano, coming up, we are going to play a world premiere of some Willie Thrasher. What has Willie Thrasher told you about his early career? Like he had 20 brothers and sisters? Yeah, he came from a really large family and a very creative family, a very talented family. Um, his sister Mona was a painter. Uh, he, he had different relations that were authors and artists. And uh, I guess Willie's first group that was up in the, in the Inuvik region of the Northwest Territories was called the Cordells. And they were playing covers of garage rock songs and things like the Kinks and the Rolling Stones. That was back in the 60s. And then one night at a concert, Willie tells the story that an old man came up to him and said, why don't you sing? It's great that you're doing these, these cover songs. Why don't you sing songs about your native culture? This was just a person that came up to Willie at a gig and Willie never saw him ever again. He didn't get his name and he never met him again. But the words that he said, why don't you sing songs about your culture really struck a chord with Willie. And he started to actually write songs about his culture. He started to seek the counsel of his elders in his community and to ask for stories that had been repressed through colonization and the residential school system. And Willie started to learn more. And these are the songs that we hear on the Spirit Child album that he did for the CBC in 1981. And we're really blessed to have those songs and you know, thank Willie for sharing his history and his culture so well. And this album, the Indian Inuit Country album, is sort of an extension of that. And it's a beautiful album. Any fan of Willie Thrasher is just going to fall head over heels for this album. So I'm really honored to help being able to share it again with people because the original audience was very small. I think Willie would have sold it out of his backpack on the road and they might, maybe they made a couple hundred cassettes or something. That's about it. Um, so through Sunshine Records, we were able to get the, the, the tapes for it and some of the original tapes and we've we've made a, a modern digital master of it, and it sounds in, it's sounding incredible. Greg Mindorf at Sweet Sound Labs, aka the Stuntman, the Grammy nominated the Stuntman. He's been working really hard in the studio days and nights to get this sounding great. Doing all the transfers and 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 restoration. I also want to shout out Magnetic Ring, um, Josh Stevenson, who helped do some tape transfers as well on the Willie Thrasher project. And he has Audix sounds. So if you ever need mastering work done, check out Sweet Sound Labs. And you can always check out Josh at Audix Sound as well. 
Do any recordings of the Cordells exist? There is a live recording, actually, that Willie, Willie has uh, of them playing live. And they're doing some cover songs. And, and there's, a, I believe, the singer was Louis Goose. And, and he's singing on there. Willie was playing the drums in the Cordells. Have you thought about releasing the Cordells at all? Oh, it'd be amazing. But I think it's just a live concert recording. The music is mostly covers. And I don't know the audio quality. It would be nice to have it more available for people to hear this incredible history. Um, but I, I'm not sure it would, be, it would merit a, a full release. It's hard to say. Um, I have quite a few projects that I'm trying to work on right now. And, and I'd like to hear Willie do some new music. Because I think right now he's really writing some of the best songs that he's ever written in his life. The old music is awesome. And it should be heard. But you, you, he has a song right now called The Sacred Fire of Peace that he performed at the Native North America gathering at Trinity St. Paul's a couple years back. And to me, this is like one of the finest Willie Thrasher compositions of all time. I hope, you know, hope to get help to get more new material out from Willie. So Willie started doing solo stuff. What could he hope to happen? Like the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation approached him, Elijah maybe. How, yeah. What goals could he have? Like how hard was it to get a record? And where did those records go? You said sold the cassettes out of the backpack. What about the records? I think with the CBC deal was sort of like that the records weren't actually really distributed widely maybe they were sold out of the hudson's bay company they were just sold at the cbc gift shop but they probably only made four or five hundred copies and that was it they didn't sell very well at the time the cbc only had so much so much resources to promote he didn't have promoters and managements and agents behind him at the in those days there wasn't the support for native artists that there is today and I think that that album just ran its course, but it was it was successful in the northern communities because I know that I know that from the incredible artist Alicipe, who has recently covered "Wolves Don't Live by the Rules" on one of her new albums. She's from Salowit in the nor in the northern part region, the Inuvik region of what we some know as Quebec, and Alicipe she's related to Sugluck Band. And Sugluck Band were also featured on Native North America. But Alyssa P, she's, she's, I don't know how old she is, but I'd say she's in her 30s. She's a mother and a, an incredible artist. And she, she listened to Willie Thrasher as a young, a young woman in Saluit. And so I know that those songs were, were heard all across the northern regions of Turtle Island. So, yeah, it's, it's incredible. But in, in the pop charts, in the top 40 Canadian like Willie's music wasn't given the time of day. He wasn't on. He wasn't show, showcased on television and in magazines and newspapers. You know, he he worked really hard and he and he and he just he soldiered on and he's still soldiering on today. Did the CBC have the masters? Was it hard to get the masters? Did they have them in a record library? Yeah, the CBC still have the masters to Spirit Child, and that's what we used, I believe, for the Spirit Child reissue. Uh, sometimes we also use clean vinyl sources because the tapes degrade over time. So we're just trying to get the best sound possible. Um, the CBC, I, I still wish today that they, you know, they, they do their best, I guess, but because it's a state, you know, state funded public broadcaster, there's only so much resources going. I feel that they neglect sometimes the older artists 
they don't promote them to the way that they, they would a younger artist. I feel it like it creates a generational divide when we should be celebrating people of all backgrounds and all ages. I have a term I like to use, it's called share the land in that regards, because there's more than enough room for everyone here and we can all listen and enjoy and learn from each other. So yeah, but Willie's, Willie's gonna keep pushing on regardless of album sales, it's his life. And, and I'm so blessed to have met Willie Thrasher and also Linda. Just about Willie Thrasher, what made you buy his record initially and where was it? What made you buy that record? Cause that kind of started it all off. Yeah, Willie Dunn, like by the time I found a Willie Thrasher record, I was already aware of artists like Willie Dunn and Shingus and David Campbell. And in my travels, and I believe it might have been at a record show, maybe even the Neptune Vancouver record show, I was flipping through the bins and I came across, I, you know, I'd, I'd start, I would buy anything that had a CBC logo on it, right? Like I grew up in Canada. I watched the Beachcombers. I, I, you know, I was a child of the CBC television primarily. And, and when I started, you know, I watched Wayne and Schuster and all this type of stuff. So when I, when I was starting to look more seriously for records and I, I noticed that the CBC were actually involved in making records back in the day, I'd just start buying them just because I thought they were generally a dollar or two at a thrift store or five or 10 bucks at a record show. And I'd just take a chance, Willie Thrasher, and it has a picture of an Inuit woman, an Inuk, holding a young baby, a young child. And I looked on the back and saw a picture of Willie with his guitar, and it had the, Inu, the, the Inuktitut fonts and the Inuit writing on the back and translations. I just thought this was incredible. I want to learn more about this. And when I put the needle on the groove, uh, then it's like, wow, you know, you hear a song like Spirit Child and it takes you to another place. Willie Thrasher's music is just like, it's some of the finest I've ever heard. So it was easy. And then I was like, wow, eventually I was like, oh, I hope one day I get to connect with Willie Thrasher because I want to thank him for this music and, and hope that he was, he was doing good. I, I didn't know if he was still alive or anything, but I found, I found out that he was living in Nanaimo I was in Vancouver at the time, so we were able to meet. Uh, I still forget, never forget the first day we met. It was at Stanley Park, and Linda was there as well. And we had a great meeting, and I was able to thank him for his music. And then I started to, by then I was working on Native North America already and asked him if it was okay that we include his music. And he was, he was honored and excited. So from there, we've traveled the world together. I'm really proud to have uh, been able to travel so many miles with Willie and Linda over the years. And now, Kevin Howes, Cipriano, you're going to debut a world premiere of what? What are we going to world premiere on the uh, Nerdboard? This, this is the, the Voluntary in Nature world premiere and shout outs to Sunshine Records and us at Sunshine Records in Winnipeg. And this is the premiere, a re-premiere, let's say, call it, of We Believe in Native Music, a song by Willie Thrasher from his 1984 Indian Inuit Country album, released originally on Sunshine Records.
They'll see arrows spilling slowly through the crevice of the mountain, and the dew came swiftly rising. As my mind spun hopeless dreaming, through the eyes of the present times retreating. And the high priest moving forward bowed his head in honor to the virgin who lay weeping. And the hidden child sleeping in the confines of her being. The earth spins revolution. And the moonlight falls in paleness upon the slabs of altar. And there's nothing then remaining but the blood. The moon has spun a thousand. And the gold of Sierra temples is the core of Spanish Jesus. Is the heart of northern neighbors. There is nothing then remaining but the blood. Madim, mi oui, dim. 
search for are nowhere in this land There's nothing that could ease this broken heart I wish that I could see you Reach across and touch you Hold you like we've never been apart You're still listening to CITR FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. What did we just hear, Cipriano? What did we just hear? Birch Bark Letter. Yeah, we just heard one of my favorite songs of all time, Birch Bark Letter, by my good friend, Willie Mitchell, and his Desert River Band. And that was taken from his 1981 Sweetgrass Music concert album, which featured, yes, Willie Mitchell, Roger House, Morley, Morley Loon, Willie Thrasher, Willie Dunn. It was, it was a live concert album that song was taken from. And there's a pretty good story around that song. The Birch Bark Letter was actually a real letter that Willie wrote to his girlfriend at the time. And what he did was he peeled a piece of birch bark off of a birch tree and he wrote the note on the, on the piece of bark and he put a stamp on it and he put it in the mail and he sent it, never thinking that it would reach its destination. But lo and behold, it did reach its destination and his, his partner at the time was in for a, a treat, a love letter written on a piece of birch bark. The part that he doesn't sing about in the song was, and it speaks a lot to Willie Mitchell, is that he also wrote one at the same time to his mother. So that's a beautiful story from, and a song from Willie Mitchell, who's currently in Mistassini, which is in the central Quebec region in Turtle, on Turtle Island. That was recorded live. Where could groups record? Like I was saying, like, were there any studios in Alaska for John to record? John? What can you say about John from Alaska? Oh, well, I'd love to say hi to John Angayak and his beautiful family. Uh, currently in Alaska, yes. And John's been a big supporter of Voluntary in Nature, so I want to give a big shout-out to John Angayak and his family. Uh, at the time, like John, for example, he recorded at the University of Alaska Fairbanks, where he was a student at the time. The, uh, the Birch Bark Letter was recorded at a live concert of all Native artists that was in Valdor, Quebec in 1981. It was a celebration of Native artists, and they all came together and they had a mobile recording truck to come and record the, the event. Uh, some indigenous artists recorded at the CBC, at different CBC outlets ac across Turtle Island, and some like Willie Dunn, um, 
who we also heard from, recorded at some of the larger recording studios like Thundersound in Toronto. So it was really a range, but it was challenging for any indep independent artist back in the day, regardless of heritage, to, to get into a recording studio. It also wasn't cheap. It was really expensive to record in those days because they were recording to tape, and it was also expensive to press records. So it, it was it, it's it's changed a lot recently where we could like literally record an album on our cell phones if we're lucky enough to have a, a cell phone or a computer we can record an album of fairly decent quality. But back in the day, in the sixties, seventies, fifties, you know, it was it took it took a lot. You really had to have uh, dedication, perseverance to record an album in those days. So I want to shout out all the artists who who took those those steps and and made these awesome recordings that we still enjoy today and willie was actually shot in the head by a cop yeah i'm really sad to report that that willie mitchell was shot as a teenager you know in his head by a a police officer he was this he was a victim of police brutality that unfortunately is still happening today uh in indigenous communities and in these this is just this has got to stop and and willie's story is is horrific he was actually out there with some friends promoting one of his first concerts his gigs and some friends of his they it was around christmas time and and they were just having fun and being young teenagers and pulling pranks and what teenagers do and some of his pals pulled down some christmas lights off of a tree and handed them to willie and then lo and behold, a police officer in a car turns around the corner, pulls up to them. His friends take off. Willie's left holding the lights, um, drops them and starts running. The police officer gets out of the car, tells Willie to stop. Willie keeps running into the bushes and, and, he, and the cop fired at Willie, shooting him in the head. And this, you know, the story goes on, but it's something that Willie has had to deal with his whole life. I think... He only ever received, I think, $500 for, for being shot in the head by a corrupt police officer. And if there's any lawyers out there listening to this story that want to that want to help Willie out, as he's had many people over the years trying to help him out to get some proper compensation for this horrific act of violence, um, please reach out through Voluntary in Nature, or you can find Willie Mitchell on Facebook as well. And uh, yeah. For for an, for someone to go through that and then be able to to be the type of person that Willie Mitchell is today with his family as a musician as a community member it speaks so much to his character his heart his soul he's one of the most incredible people I've ever met so I want to give a lot of love and big shout out to our friend Willie Mitchell and and his his wife Louise and all their families Cipriano. Kevin Howells, Duke Redbird. How did you convince him to be on the Native North American? And where did you get his seven inch? And who is Duke Redbird? Well, Duke is a force of nature and he's a poet. You know, I, I, he, he may identify, he's an Anishinaabe poet, an Ojibwe poet. And he was active in the 60s. He's one of the great thinkers the world has produced and he's an elder he's been a an advisor to the toronto district school board and the ontario college of art and design as an indigenous elder he's still active as a poet 
Um, in the 60s, he was working with Bruce Cockburn on, on recordings. And it, he had a group with, along with Penelope Shaper called Abundance to Revolution in the 60s. And then in the mid-70s, he was collaborating with the likes of Norval Morisot and Shingus. Um, Norval being the, the famous Woodlands painter and Shingus being an incredible singer, songwriter and musician. Uh, together with Shingus, they recorded an EP called Native Country and it, it featured the song Silver River and it came out on a beautiful hardcover seven inch. It was for to raise money for the Native Council of Canada, which at the time Duke Redbird was the vice president of. And if you, you have, you should just look up Duke Redbird online and learn more about him and hear some of his poetry. He'll change your life. I'm honored to say I'm friends with Duke, but it took a while to convince him uh, to, to share his music, I guess. He was surprised. Like, I found his record at a record show. I think I bought it from Rich Hagginson. He's an, a rockabilly veteran over on the island, so shout out to Rich. I also bought the Sugluck 45 featured on Native North America from Rich and his Canadian bin. And uh, he's been a great record vendor at the record shows over the years. So thanks to Rich. But, but Duke, I guess when I first called him, he was like, who's this white kid in Vancouver that's interested in my music? What does he want? I've, I've heard from his likes before. Someone that's talking a big talk that doesn't, isn't going to walk the walk. Duke's been through a lot in his life and he, he doesn't suffer fools. And maybe he didn't know my integrity and my character. He didn't know of my work or who I am as a person. So I'd never hold that against Duke. We joke about it today because we've become good friends. And, and it was awesome. And I'm glad that he put me to the test because, you know, in, I, I, I asked him, I took his, I helped to take his music to the Grammy Awards. So I think we, I definitely, uh, I fulfilled my end of the bargain and hopefully I've been able to put a couple bucks in his pocket as well, though. I know that's always a struggle in the corrupt business of music, but he's been, he's been entertaining people at the native North America related events since day one. And, and, uh, Oh, geez. Duke's a very special person. So a big shout out to Duke Redbird as well. Like he, he was good friends with um, with Willie Mitchell and Willie Dunn back in the day. And also Alani Sobomsawin, who we heard from as well with the song Odina from her Bush Lady album. We heard we heard that great song from Alani Sobomsawin. And Alani was very good friends with Duke Redbird. And, and one of the proudest moments of my life, actually, was sitting at the Wabano Center for Aboriginal Health and Well-Being in uh, in Ottawa, where we were able to to screen a copy of Alani Sobomswin's film from 1977 called A Misk, which featured Willie Dunn and featured Duke Redbird, and and Will uh, and I got to watch that movie with Alani and Duke in a private screening, and uh, I know Duke hadn't seen his performance since probably the 70s since maybe he saw the film, or I, I believe he said he never even saw the finished film. So he performed a poem of his that's very powerful that you can hear different, well, you can hear, you can watch a misc on the nfb.ca website. So you should, any people are interested in what I'm talking about, you can go to the NFB website and, and you can check out the films of Alani Sobomsuin. You can see the films of Duke Redbird. You can see the films of Willie Dunn. And this is a great resource for people around the world interested in indigenous culture and filmmaking. Um, but to, to watch 
Duke and Alanis holding hands and, and watching that Amisk film together and getting, you know, we were all getting really emotional because the song, the, the poem is just so powerful. That was one of the proudest moments of my life to know that my interest in, in these people's incredible culture helped to bring some old friends together and celebrate what they did all those years ago. That really, it, it's, that is, that's my payment. You know, that's my success. Like forget the Grammys, forget, you know, anything else like that's the reward for doing the type of work that I've been doing. And, and it's, it's, uh, it's my biggest honor to have met these people and they, they've enriched the world so much. They've enriched their communities, their peoples. And, and I'm just honored to have even met them in the first place. That Alandis recording that we heard was actually a reissue from Constellation Records. Yep, Constellation Records in Montreal. Uh, they reissued Alanis's Bush Lady album. And that, that was a couple years ago. So I wanted to share some music by Alanis. She's one of my favorite artists and someone I had hoped that we, we'd be able to include that song on Native North America, as well as a poem of hers also featured on Bush Lady called Of the Earth and of the Sea. But at the time we weren't able to. She said to me that she wanted to release the music on her own. So I was really happy when, when she did that with Constellation Records um, after Native North America was released. It made me very happy because it's a very, Bush Lady is a very important album that every Canadian should, should know. And, um, and, uh, and, and, and younger generations of Indigenous artists and poets and filmmakers, they should also know that as well. It's just a, a very powerful album by Alanis who is the longest running uh, filmmaker, director at the National Film Board of Canada. She's been there for over 50, she's done over 50 films for them. And Alanise, she did 50 films in 50 years. She has done 50 films in 50 years. That's pretty amazing. Oh, like Alanise is one of the most, um, like I said about Duke Redbird is a true force of nature, is just, uh, is filled with a spirit that's hard to comprehend. It's so strong and so deep, and she's she's affected people around the world and the native peoples of as in such a meaningful way. She did a film about Oka. Are there any Oka songs out there that you want to get a hold of that people haven't heard? To be honest, I'm I'm not personally familiar with any, but her film on that uh, the crisis that that affected the Mohawk Nation there is essential viewing and should be, should be watched by every Canadian to know the horrors of the Canadian government and our police system. Um, it's appalling what, uh, what Canada has done to the Indigenous peoples of this land. And, and Alanis' films go into great detail about these travesties. So I highly recommend that the listeners out there go to the nfb.ca to learn more about Alanis and these films, very important films. And indigenous people in Canada didn't get to vote till 1960. It's appalling. Like the the list of travesties, um, you could fill, man, you could fill countless pages of the travesties and crimes committed against indigenous peoples on Tur Turtle Island, and it goes beyond Canada into the United States. These are two. Uh, colonial constructs that were only made possible by the genocide of native peoples and theft of land. And so the resilience and strength of the indigenous peoples today should be applauded, commended, and we should be doing everything we can as settlers and immigrants to support these people and their rights, inherent rights.
And before Annalise, we heard Willie Dunn, Peruvian. Dream, part one. What can you say about Willie Dunn, I Pity the Country? Well, I Pity the Country is a song by the late, great Willie Dunn. And I want to say hello to Les and Calusit and Lawrence and William and all the Dunn family out there. Willie Dunn was, I'd say, the premier folk singer from Canada in the 1960s, 70s, filmmaker. Um, He wrote a song called I Pity the Country. Uh, It was released in 1971, and it was featured on the 2014 Grammy-nominated Native North America compilation that I produced for Light in the Attic Records. I got to know Willie before he passed on. Uh, We became friends, and his support was intrinsic in seeing Native North America come to fruition, that compilation, Willie's belief and support and the inclusion of his music made that project possible and it took it to the heights that it reached. And when I also at the time asked Willie if I could continue that work and, and produce an anthology of his music and film and he gave me his blessing for that. And, and seven years later, we're about to see the release of Creation Never Sleeps, Creation Never Dies, the Willie Dunn Anthology, my last project for Light in the Attic Records, you know, culminating a, a 16-year collaboration. What was the subject matter? Peruvian Dream. Is it something to do with Peru? Yes, uh, the Peruvian Dream, it's an allegory, but it's, uh, it's about, it ties, ties in with colonization and it's it's a poem set to music and Willie was one of the best at doing that. So we'll leave it up to the reader's imaginations, but there'll be more information about the song in the uh, Willie Dunn anthology. And that will be released on a double vinyl set in the first quarter of 2021 on Light in the Attic Records. Is that all unreleased stuff? There are There is some, some music that's never been to vinyl before. There's some music that was only... Uh, played on the radio before, um, like the two songs I mentioned that we licensed from the CBC. Uh, they were only featured on a broadcast only vinyl that was just played on the radio. And we also have the NFB film version of the Ballad of Crowfoot from 1968, which is the sort of the, the strongest version of Willie's composition, the Ballad of Crowfoot, which was set to imagery and and released as a film called The Ballad of Crowfoot in 1968. So these things have never been on vinyl before and and they're very challenging. Otherwise, we're seeing music from his extremely rare Sumas album from 1971, his debut album, which is a huge, like a collector's sort of piece today. It doesn't exist in any great numbers. It didn't sell well at the time. I don't think many of Willie's albums, especially the early ones, they didn't sell very well at the time, so they're very hard to find original copies of. So it's important to have these songs out there for the people to learn about them, to study in school, to share with their friends and families, and also to watch his films, which you can check out on the NFB website. So we're really excited about that, and we'll be sharing lots of information about Willie and his life, including old photos and letters from his family and Alani Sobamsoin and, and, and all the transcriptions of his poetry that he featured in his songs. So I've been working on this project for seven years, so we're really excited to, 
uh, see it come out in the, in the beginning of 2021. And you are Kevin Howes, Cipriano, live on the Nardward Human Survey radio show for part two of your archives and also your debut. What's coming up right now? A world premiere. Cat's Eye, what's coming up? What are you doing again? Well, we have another world premiere here. This is the third album that will be released on Voluntary in Nature, and it carries the catalog number of VIN003. And this is an album called Cat's Eye, which is an incredible folk album recorded by uh, two, two Canadians in London, England in the 1970s. And it's a very special album that was only ever pressed as a demo album. They made 99 copies of this album and, and that was it. It doesn't exist in any great quantities and it's something that I found in my travels. I actually found this in the middle of the prairies many years ago. I was at a Salvation Army in the basement of a Salvation Army in rural Alberta. And I was going through all the records as I usually would do, looking for these old treasures. And I found a record in a plain sleeve. It didn't have any artwork on it. All it said on the top right corner was 100. I pulled the record out of the sleeve and I saw the label. And on the label, it said Cat's Eye. And it said the names of the songs. And it said the songwriters' names, D. O'Kane and L. Pilling. And I, that was it. I just, I was, this, this is like an interesting record to me. I paid a quarter for it. I bought a few other records at the time. I took it to my motel room that night. And when I'm on the road, I usually travel with a small portable turntable. And I, and I put the needle on the, on the record and I was blown away. I was like, wow, I cannot believe what I'm hearing here. This is, this is a masterpiece of, of psychedelic folk music. I looked online, I went to the computer and I Googled it, cat's eye, and there was, I couldn't find out anything. There, there was no information. So for years, I started, I started trying to do research. Who was cat's eye? Who, are the, who is D.O. Kane? Who is L. Pilling? And I couldn't find out any information. I was looking, I was looking for, I assumed because the record was made in England, it said on the record, it said made in England, that the record was British and the artists were British. So I started looking for D.O. Kane, English folk singer, Irish folk singer, Scottish folk singer, you name it. And I just came up with blanks. I reached out to, I did reach, I did find a D.O. Kane. And I said, did you record an album called Cat's Eye? And he was like, oh, I'm sorry, mate. This is, you have the wrong person. I just almost gave up. I was just like, well, this is just gonna be one of these records like you know, these rare records that you just can't find out any information about, you know, this is going on. Like this is over a period of a few years, but maybe once every twice a year, I'd, I'd go online and I'd start looking for cat's eye, see if some collector had sold it on eBay or if it made it to discogs or something. And, and it never, and it still to this day has not appeared online. So, but I kept look, looking up the names and, and I, and I did find a D.O. Kane. And, and lo and behold, you would never believe this Nardwar, except that I'm telling you that he was in Vancouver, that we lived in the same city. Even though I found this album in the prairies, even though the album said made in England, there was no indication that it was, you know, recorded 
by Canadian expats living in England. But actually, there was one interesting clue that I forgot to tell you about, that on the last song of the album, it's sometimes when you listen to these old records, it's hard to make out all the lyrics, you know? But I thought on the last song that they're singing, both a man and a woman are singing Canada, Oh Canada. But I couldn't quite tell. I was like, are they singing Oh Canada? That's sort of weird. This is a British record. Why would they be singing about Canada? So that was maybe a little hidden clue there that the artists weren't from England. But I found, I eventually found Dwayne. I said, are, are you the D.O. Kane who released this incredible record called Cat's Eye? He said, yes, I was. How did you find that record? He's like, where did you find it? And I told him the story. And then he told me the story of, of the group forming and that he and Lorraine and a, and, a, and a British guitar player who was visiting Canada at the time, who had a girlfriend in BC, that they all went over to England and tried to fulfill their dreams as songwriters. And they, they, they cut this demo album. They had some connections with Elton John's Rocket Records at one point, but it, it fell to part. The album was never pressed officially, only as a 99 copy demo album. And, and that's it. I found one in the prairies and years later, we're able to share that on Voluntary and Nature um, with, the, with the help of Dwayne and his musical friends. And we'll tell more about the story in the future, but that's the, uh, that's the, how about how I found it. And, and we'll get to hear the song called Love by Cat's Eyes, the world premiere. On the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show with special guest DJ. Kevin. <laughs> How's Cipriano Cat's Eye?
still listening to the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show on CITR, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, with special guest DJ, Voluntary in Nature, Kevin Howes. And Kevin, what did we hear in this last set? Well, the last set, we heard a beautiful song by one of my favorite groups from Montreal called The Rabble. The song is Golden Girl. Prior to that, we heard Wayne Versage's now that you're gone on the that's another Birchmount records i know you love the Birchmount records nardwar uh, it uh, that song always reminds me of bobby gillespie from primal scream in that sort of voice that he has and and prior to that we we started with the world premiere of love by cat's eye a group that you're releasing you're releasing them yeah that's the third record that will be released through voluntary in nature an outlet for sharing how many were sold? You said there was like number 99 or 99 were made. How yeah, many none were, were actually sold. sold? None were sold. It was, it was a demo. It was like a demo album, a demo recording and demo album. They gave them away free to try to get interest and maybe to get signed to a big record deal. And they did link up with Rocket Records, who was interested in signing them for more recordings. But it fell through. Um, that Dwayne and Lorraine moved back to Canada and the group sort of imploded. There was uh, Colin Brown was a, the British guitarist that they had met in Canada that they had the idea with to go to England. And there was another guitarist as well um, in the mix once they were over in England. But it's, uh, it's a simple, beautiful, stripped down folk recording. And it has a lot of mystery, a lot of edge, a lot of, you know, a lot of great feel to it. So it, there's a, a unique instrument in there called the stylophone that you're hearing as well on the song Love. As used by Bell and Sebastian. Yes, for sure. Yeah, definitely. But no, it was just a demo album, Nardware. So, so this album, for, all, for, for lack of a better word, it's extinct. Like if you Google Cat's Eye and the songs on this album, you're not, it's off the grid. You're not going to find any information about this online. The only way I knew about it is because I did my street level research and, and I eventually found Dwayne. But one of the funny things about that was that I, Dwayne went on to do other recordings under his name, 
in Vancouver, and I had, and, and also as part of a group called Carmel, and I had those records in my collection. I had a Carmel 7-inch, and I had a Duane O'Kane record, and I had no idea. I had these all in my Voluntary in Nature archives. I had them all in my collection, and I had no idea. For all these years, I'm looking for Cat's Eye, and I had, I had Duane's other records all in my same collection. It was like they were playing a joke on me. Like, couldn't the records speak to me and tell me, like, okay, it's, it's the same. Cat's Eye guy is Duane O'Kane from Carmel. But, like, it took a lot of uh, sleuthing to figure that out. But it was sort of funny, and I think Duane got a kick out of that, too. Now, we also heard the rabble, like we just heard the rabble. Now, what's interesting about the rabble is it's Jack Layton's favorite band. He remembered the rabble. When I asked him if he knew Les Lutins or Caesar and the Romans or the Haunted, he mentioned the rabble. And also from Montreal, your dad was from Montreal. Did he ever check out those bands or hang out with Jack Layton? Yeah, no, I've never asked my dad about Jack Layton. I should, though, and I... Because I'm sure he would have, he would have, uh, he could have learned a few things uh, politically from Jack Layton. He's obviously much loved uh, and was an incredible leader. And rest in peace to Jack. But that's really cool. My dad was from Lake of Two Mountains, and he he grew up playing in bands. His my dad's group was called the Mass, M A S S, and he was in that group with his friend Chris Wood, my godfather. So I want to shout out Chris and Dennis Howes, my father. And, and, and they instilled this love of music in me. So Chris and my dad. So I want to thank them. And they, they, my dad had a haunted record in his collection, a seven inch on the quality label, their big hit. And, but he went to school with Rayburn Blake, later of Mash McCann and later of uh, Riverson. And he went to school with the Edwards brothers, Brian Edwards, and Cliff Edwards, Cliff Edwards, notable from the Counts Four in the 60s, an incredible garage R&B group from, from the Montreal area, and, and also later the Bells. So my dad grew up with those people. He wasn't really tight with them, but they, they all went to the same school together in Lake of Two Mountains outside of Montreal. Do any tapes exist of your dad's band? Oh, man. It, they, they, there are no tapes, unfortunately. But there is a business card and it's an awesome business card. I just like still to this day, the mass is like, that's a pretty awesome name for a band. And my dad was a chemical engineer, so it didn't really have a religious connotation, but it, it, it was about the weight and the weight of the sound they were making heavy. And before that we heard before the rabble, we heard, we heard Wayne Versage. And this is an artist who recorded on the Birchmount label, the same label that released the first album by Wayne McGee. So Wayne Versage, I don't know much about him. On the back of the album, it says that he was one of the lead vocalists for the group The Shays, which was a Toronto garage rock R&B band that, that later had the singer David Clayton Thomas. What's interesting about that is Fred Keeler, who played guitar in the Shays, wrote Now That You're Gone. He actually wrote that song. See, I didn't even know that. You're teaching me things about my own records that I have. Thank you. And Fred Keeler, rest in peace. His son, Jesse Keeler, is from Death From Above. Oh, wow. I had no idea that connection. Really interesting. Wow. That's like a good thing that you you could bring up. You could bring the Wayne Versage record to, uh, to an interview with those fellows. 
I actually did when I first interviewed Death From Above in 2004 in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And I did show them actually not Ruin Versage, but some David Clean Thomas records I showed to them. But I, I was... I was curious, how did you get an MP3 of that particular song? Well, like the, the, uh, the Rabble and the Wayne Versage and the Brian Anthony and the Delroy Wilson, those were all records that I, that I had on, on my person while I've been visiting the West Coast this summer. Uh, like, let's say the, uh, the Rabble I found up in Vernon. Um, that was on the Transworld label. The, the Wayne Versage, I think I got from my homie Duffy in the Okanagan. I went to visit Duffy, shout out to uh, Dancing Bear. And I got the, the, the uh, oh, there's another song that we're going to hear later. I got that one at Apollo Music. I want to shout out to Mike at Apollo Music. It's probably the best record store in the world. Um, it's in Coquitlam, and you should check out Apollo Music. They, they have really, that's the, I, I'd say it's could be the best record store I've ever been to in my life. Um, they're not precious about it. They, they price things affordably. They have a lot of cheap records, a lot of dollar records where you can actually explore and learn about music. And they have high-end collectibles, reasonably priced below Discogs Median, which has become the new template for every record store around the world to price their records, which I think is total bullshit. But big shout out to Apollo Music. And I, I want to shout out to Mike because they've, they've helped increase my musical knowledge over the years and gotten some great records into my collection. But yeah, you find these things in your travels. I had them. I brought them to the studio, the stuntman at Sweet Sound Labs, and we recorded them. So for the Nardwar show, we, we do our homework. We do the preparation required to give you the best show that we can. And we're honored to be able to share the music on your show, Nardwar. Thank you. Thank you, Cipriano, for coming out today to the Nardwar to Human Surveyor radio show to do this stuff. I really appreciate that. Oh, I appreciate what you do and your gift that you've given to the world over the years is is as incredible as any. Cipriano, Kevin Howes, rest in peace, Salome Bay, going back to 1958. Well, Salome Bay is one of the finest voices that's ever graced planet Earth. So we want to shout out Salome Bay, her contributions to music, to black culture in the United States and in Canada. And this is... I recommend a song that I love by Salome. It's called Hit the Nail, Right on the Head. You can hear that on YouTube. And Salome Bay's family is running an incredible Facebook page right now, a tribute page, and they're sharing all sorts of stories and videos. You have to get up to date if you're not familiar with Salome Bay. Um, this is one of the incredible voices, as I said, that's Grace Planet Earth. Rest in peace, Salome. As I mentioned, going all the way back to like 1950, 58, the Bay Sisters. Yeah, uh, the Bay Sisters and, 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 the, and the brothers, Andy Bay and, and the Bay Sisters, they were performing, they were recording, and there's, there's old video footage of them. And in a, in a way, it's, it's really interesting. I want to shout out Maestro Fresh Wes here, because on his song called Nothing At All, on, on his second album, Black Tie Affair, he shouts out Salome Bay. And, 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 I, and I had heard of Salome Bay just growing up in Canada because I, I paid attention to the media. But that was, it made me want to learn more about Salome when I heard Maestro drop her name on the track Nothing At All featuring George Banton, an incredible soul singer and gospel singer. So big shout out to Maestro for letting Canadian kids of all different heritages know about the incredible Salome Bay. 
Powell River Community Radio, the nook in Powell River. Yeah, big shout out to CJMP 90.1 FM, Cowbell Radio, the Stuntman's Radio Show, uh, all the fine people that do radio shows up in Powell River and the Sunshine Coast, the Thlaamin Nation. I want to give a lot of love to the Thlaamin Nation right now. They're going through a small COVID crisis and want to make sure that everyone's safe up in the Thlaamin Nation and the Powell River community. This is one of the best places you can ever be in the world. It's surrounded by ocean and land and trees and they have a beautiful community radio station that my friend Commandy hit me to all those years ago. Neil Frost, I want to shout out Jennifer and Lily and Jackson, all the lovely people in Powell River. That's where I go to peace out, Powell River, voluntary in nature. Rihanna's Roti Shop, HK Barbecue Master. <laughs> oh, you got, my, you got my restaurant Rolodex on your, on your table, eh? Well, I got to sh- send mighty love to Rihanna in Port Moody at Rihanna's Roti Shop. And it's the best place for you, though there, there are other, there's a little bit of competition. D Roti Shack and New West is great as well. But my, my greatest love is with Rihanna and Port Moody. I've been eating at her restaurant, her one woman operation uh, for over 25 years. She's from Trinidad and started a restaurant in Port Moody serving her Trinidadian treats, roti, doubles, also has some patties up in the mix for those that love the Jamaican patties. But Rihanna's open for business right now, and it's takeout only. So you want to go and when you're in Port Moody or passing through, she's open from around noon till four. So that's the hours you want to go and check out Rihanna and send, tell her that Cipriano sends his love. And what HK about Barbecue the- Master, I can't. I got to keep going there. We got to shout out Eric and Anson at HK Barbecue Master on Number Three Road, underneath the Canadian Superstore. And this is the best place for non-vegetarians to eat: barbecue pork, roast pork, duck, and and also soy, beautiful soy chicken, dark meat, light meat. You can get plate of greens. You get beautiful, healthy soup, medicinal soup. You can get lemony lemon icy teas. And you have to go check out HK Barbecue Master when you're passing through Richmond. It's, it's one of my favorite places. And they're also open for takeout as well right now in, in, during the pandemic. So support your local businesses, support your friends, support your family, support Nardwar, support Voluntary in Nature. And by doing that, you'll also be supporting the artists who made the music. And that's what we're all about. Thank you, Kevin Howes, Cipriano, for coming into the Narbar show twice. We had part one and part two. What have we done in part one and part two? What have we played and what do we have coming up? We're going to leave with the Townsman, the Jar, but what else have we played in general? You know, part one and part two. Well, over parts one and part two, we played a lot of music. We played records for my record collection and, and, and we've also premiered music that will be released via Voluntary in Nature, an outlet for sharing over the next couple of weeks. When we're talking, you know, late September, early October 2020. And these records will be available on Spotify, on Bandcamp, on YouTube. And will also be eventually some pre-orders for physical product. We're going to do some limited run vinyl. There'll be some cassettes. There'll be t-shirts, posters, you name it. And... With the, with the goal of trying to get as much money as possible into the artists and, and families and communities who made the music and who made all of this possible. I'm so honored to work with my heroes on this. 
We heard music from Wayne McGee, we heard music from Willie Thrasher, and we heard music from Cat's Eye, and there's a lot more in store. So you wanna check out Voluntary in Nature on Instagram to start. Eventually there'll be a website. Don't worry, we'll never sell out. And this is a grassroots affair. Coming up right now, to end the Nardwar to Human Serviette Radio Show Part 2 with Cipriano, we have The Townsman. Yeah, The Townsman. This is a song that I bought recently at Apollo. And I think it's a song that Voluntary and Nature Art Director Chris Gurgley, who's been clocking some serious hours on, on the Willie Dunn anthology and Voluntary and Nature, and also that Greg Mendorf, the stuntman at Sweet Sound Labs, I think this is a song I want to dedicate to my, my brethren here that have been helping me fulfill my dreams. And, and I'm going to send it out to Nardwar as well, because I hope that this is a song you've never heard before. This is a song from the late 60s, early 70s, released on the Polydor label, and it's from Ottawa. So shout out to the stuntman Greg for the Ottawa Connect. Why should people care about a voluntary in nature? Why should people care? Well, they should care about it because if you support voluntary in nature, you know you're supporting the artist who made the music who you were appreciating and enjoying. That's the mandate of this outlet for sharing. That's the modus operandi, if you will. Because in, in 2020, we've realized that the music business is sick and it's in need of healing. And this is my initiative to help bring some healing to the music business, to the musical world that, you know, We have to distinguish the difference between the business of music and music itself. Music is free. It comes from the heart and soul. It's of the people. It's spiritual. But if you want to hear about it on CBC and Nardwar's show and and you want to buy the records, that gets into the business territory to some degree as well. So we want to make sure that the artists are being compensated for their work. And I found in my experiences working in the music business over the last 16 years and as a Grammy-nominated producer, I found that... And quite often, the artists are the last people to receive compensation for their work. I'm really ashamed to say it, that I've been involved in projects that, that over the years that the artists aren't the first people in mind. It's more about maintaining a business and what have you. But uh, this is an artist-driven label because I'm an artist as well. And we're, we're working as a pro-artist initiative, an outlet for sharing in a grassroots way. And we're going to have fun doing it because, you know, music... It, it is fun, it makes us think, and it does have the power to change the world. And right now, the world is in need of much healing. So I want to send out a voluntary in nature. Thank you to all the artists that I've worked with in my career and my life. I want to shout out to Wayne McGee, who started my career in the business of music. I want to shout out to Nardwar, the human serviette, for being the coolest dude I know and who does his thing as well and that there's going to be good things ahead so you know I know it's a time when we're all really challenged and and we're dealing with COVID we're dealing with you know employment challenges housing crises um, human rights violations but there's good things ahead and music can be a great connector we can listen learn and share and come together as human beings and overthrow the Babylon system and the the capitalist system which isn't helping anyone out other than the uber wealthy and they're doing quite fine thank you very much one love thanks very much kevin really appreciate it keep on rocking in the free world and do do loot do do do